Good morning. Sounds great. 10 o'clock does wonders, doesn't it? Awesome. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Josh Hinkin, uh, pastor of high school and young adults here at First Cove, and it is an excitement of mine to open up God's Word with you this morning. This morning, the Sunday has been deemed here uh, National Youth Pastor Preach Sunday for the season. <laughs> Senior Pastor Craig Swanson is gone, uh, Pastor Neil is gone as well, having some vacation time with the family, so you get the junior pastor, lucky you. But all I know is this morning is going to be, it's going to be good to open up God's Word. Uh, so if you have your Bible or Bible app, there's going to be two places we're going, so I don't know how you're going to do that, but we can figure it out as we go along. Uh, the first one is John 1, 14, and the next one is Romans 5, 6 through 11. John 1, 14, and Romans 5, 6 through 11. The words will also be on the screen this morning. So, just to give you a recap of where we've been through this Advent series, we've been talking about gifts that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, we started with the presence. We talked about his face and how he uh, shows himself to us, his under- the gift of understanding, the gift of freedom and forgiveness that we can have in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we get to talk about the total salvation or total self-giving love of Jesus Christ. And so, in the season of gift giving, in season of gift giving, I want to invite you to think about your favorite gift that you received this past Christmas. Your favorite gift you received this past, or one of two, I don't know, however you want to do it. Your favorite gift you received. Think about it because I want to be able to share it with someone in a few minutes. But uh, before I have my favorite gift that I received, um, this is called the Hydro Flask. Isn't that great? It's, um, okay, so the mission for a Hydro Flask is to save the world from lukewarm. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So their claim is this. This is their claim. That cold stays icy cold for up to 24 hours. Can you believe that? It's, it's actually pretty true. Um, hot stays steaming hot for six hours. So how they do it, here you go, you ready? A temp shield. It is a double wall vacuum insulated technology that guards the temperature of your drink. Isn't that amazing? So for me, I don't have lukewarm coffee. And, you know, I've had this for a little while. My hydro flask, it's about 30 ounces. Amazing on mission trips. We need a lot of water. It keeps things cold. So that's was my gift. So turn to someone around you and tell them your favorite gift this Christmas. Go ahead. So what do we have? Anything good? Anybody want to share anything of their favorite gift? You can just say it out loud, as loud as you can. Yeah. A what? Leather mint. Oh, yeah. Bringing it to church. I like it. I like it. What? A giant history book. That's my man. I like that. That's good. Anybody get a like, Nintendo Switch or anything cool like that? Oh, there we go. Uh, oh, headphones. I like it. Anything else? What was that? Ballet slippers. I like it. Did I hear Legos somewhere? 
because that's a good one too. Good, good. I wanted to go one step further if we can. Think about your favorite gift of all time. That might be a little bit harder. Yeah, I know, right? Some of you have to be thinking for a while. Um, Favorite gift of all time. I brought mine because why not? So my favorite gift of all time happened in probably 8th grade or ninth grade. It is the sweet bike that I still drive today. About 15 years. And so I got this from my parents. Favorite gift of all time. And we uh, had a lot, I had a lot of fun on this. We had a church uh, behind our, my family's house. I'd ride through the woods to get to the church and see how many skid marks I could do. Have you ever done that? And these tires are still the same tires 15 years ago because why change them? I don't know. They don't really do well much. But uh, the, the seat fell off once. I put a brand new one on. And uh, this is the one that I drive today. This is the greatest gift of all time that has gotten a lot of use. So I don't know what your greatest gift of all time is, but I hope, I hope you've used it a lot. I hope it's been good. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe that's the, that's the greatest gift of all time. Okay, let's keep going. Oh man, we got to get moving. Okay, so in the spirit of gift giving, in the spirit of gift giving, the gift of self-giving love that we experience through uh, Jesus Christ. And we just want to talk about that as our main point. And so in John 1, 14, what we're going to see is God's present to us is his presence. So God's gift to us is the presence of Jesus. The actual indwelling of his presence here on earth is the element of self-giving love. And then in Romans 5, 6 through 11, what we see is that Jesus makes what is impossible possible through his death on the cross, self-giving love. And so before we go any further, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this moment that we can gather today, not at 9 or 10.30, but at 10. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you and give you all the praise and glory. And this morning, as we talk about gifts that you have given to us through Jesus Christ, may this become true for us. May this be something that we experience fully this morning and forever. God, I just pray that you stand in my body, give me the vocal, using my words so that you can have us say, know, or do. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be ever so pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Have your way this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, John 1, 14. John 1, 14. Remember, look at how God's presence to us has, is in his presence. Here it is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we're going to flip over to Romans 5, 6 through 11. And see here how the impossible becomes possible through Jesus Christ. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love For us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you, Christ died for me. Verse 9 Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
For if while we were God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Making what is impossible possible. Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him whom through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isn't this awesome? Like the pastors leave and then we get the best passage of all time. Isn't it great? So let's go back to John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In verse 14 here, we see the word became flesh. This right here is part of something larger. This is part of a narrative, a biography, a prologue of who Jesus is and why he came to this earth. And so John, the writer of John, writes here saying, the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. But you got to see it in a bigger picture, right? And so John, which throughout the book of John, we see who Jesus is in its fullness, of why he came and why he brought the light into the darkness we call this world. Why Jesus came and dwelt among us in a world that is dark and yet God loves so much, full of people like you and me. We have to look at John 1.1. John 1.1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, before time even was established, Jesus was there, the Word. And the Word was with God. Jesus is with God, and the Word was God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. So at the beginning of it all, before you understand his present coming here in his presence, you need to understand that it begins at the beginning of time that he has been before, and now he's indwelling here on this earth with us today through the birth of Jesus Christ. God, the creator of everything, the creator of you and me. The creator of everything that we see. The very nature of God. The very fact that he created everything in this world. He loves you so much. And that he wants to intentionally be personal with you this morning. Through the birth of Jesus. The word is the message and person of God, making manifested his love, making available to all of us his love for the world, shining his light in the darkness. Jesus is the very essence of God, the very voice of God, the very person of God, fully man and also fully God here on this earth. Jesus, God himself, came into this world. Jesus is dwelling among us. Isn't that beautiful? In Jesus Christ, the world meets God. In Jesus Christ, the world meets God. And so what we see through Jesus is this ultimate revelation of who God is. 
14, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We can see it through who he is. And he came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so when you think about it, this self-disclosure, or this like, this is how I think about it. Um, Christmas time, right? You have these presents, and you unpack what's inside of them. Sometimes they put a fancy box out there, and usually it's Amazon, right? And then you pack it open a little bit further, and there's a self-disclosure, this awakening, this what is going on, what is in here. You finally get to see exactly what's in the present, This is self-disclosure. That's what we see with Jesus. We finally get to see who God is fully, full of grace and full of truth and full of love by unwrapping this president as he has come and been and dwelt among us in our presence. And so what's beautiful about this is that he came to show his glory to be full of grace and truth. And in the full of grace and truth, there's this author that wrote this. The phrase is almost certainly an allusion to Exodus 34.6. Interestingly, in Exodus 33.18, Moses begs God, Now show me your glory. The Lord replies by agreeing to cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. The Lord's goodness, therefore, is the glory of God. Jesus has come to show you the goodness and the truth of who God is. So God's present, God's gift to us is his presence. He became like us, right? So that we could become like him. And so uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 unpacks this a little bit about how he came to us. And just listen to these words. Who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider himself equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross." The very nature he came a servant. He loves you and I so much that he laid down all the riches, everything that he had in heaven, to be with you and for be with me. By taking on human likeness, he humbled himself. And this is what we see in his presence, the self-giving love that he humbled himself so that he could be with us and be the light in this world. And so what happens now is that we need to talk about what is um, him, what is impossible being possible. Um, we see this in Romans 5, and I'm, I'm going to, before I read it, I need to tell you a little bit about what it looks like to have the impossible become possible. But what I mean by the impossible, what I mean is if we walk back into Genesis 3, we think about Adam and Eve. And we think when God created the heavens and the earth, and he also created humanity, he created it perfect in a relationship with him, where there's unity among human and God. But what do you think about 
what happens, and you've heard this story about this broken, fallen relationship through the sin of Adam and Eve, this very nature that we, you and I, take on. That in Romans 5, you see that we are ungodly. We are sinners. We are broken. We need someone to save us. That the impossible, that we can never do anything to save ourselves, but that only Jesus Christ can and did. So the impossible become impossible. This past week, uh, there's this guy named Colin O'Brady. And uh, he... uh, he tagged it in, on Insta as impossible, hashtag impossible first. And so his goal was to attempt the world's first solo, unsupported, unaided expedition across Antarctica. Does that sound great? Don't you want to just do that too? Yeah, no, you don't. Um, it's a seven-day journey across the frozen continent covering 1,000 miles. Can you believe that? And so what it will take is he's going to be pulling a 400-pound sled with all of his equipment battling high winds and 40, negative 40-degree 40 temperature. Like, who signs up for this stuff? I don't get it. He's going to consume 8,000 calories per day to make this thing work. Can you believe it? So a couple facts here, just so you know. Uh, Antarctica is the world's largest desert. Average elevation is 7,500 uh, feet. It's the driest and highest continent, the windiest, gust reaching up to 200 miles per hour. This guy's doing it. During the summer season, the sun is visible 24 hours per day, the summer season being November through February. That's their summer season. And so, guess what? He's still there right now. And he started November 3. And so, I have a video that I show you, show you. it's about a minute long, about his preparation for what was impossible. My mind, my body, my spirit, for something they say is impossible. To show you that nothing is impossible. I will be attempting a world first, a solo, unsupported, unaided crossing of Antarctica. A 1,000 mile journey across the frozen continent. This project is for anyone who has been told their dreams are impossible. Take your first step. Be possible. Isn't that inspirational? Don't you just want to go do it? Because it's possible, because he started November 3, and of, oh yeah, that's my favorite one, so this is at him at the, at the South Pole, he's holding up the whole world, get it? Because it's upside down, get it? Because he's at the South, okay. So um, what happened here is that he reached the finish line, it took him 54 days, and that was a few days ago. The impossible became possible through his training, through whatever else he had going on, in his mind, I don't know how he did it. But one phrase here, he says this on day 48, battling. And this is his journal entry. I'm locked in the fierce battle with Antarctica at the moment. The storm from yesterday strengthened today, blowing consistently 35 miles per hour with gusts over 55. 
I've got blown over to the ground at least 20 times today. No doubt I have some bruises in the morning. I did my best to scratch out another 20, 20 miles, but it was hard. And I won, and has left me feeling emotionally and physically exhausted. I feel as though even as I get close to the finish of Antarctica, it wants me to make sure I am fully tested if I want to realize my dreams. So here is this man that saw something has been proven to be impossible. He made it possible. And this is what we also see in Jesus. Something that is impossible become impossible. And so in Romans 5, I just want to read it again to you. Romans 5, 6 through 11. And I I just want you to, to look at the places in which the impossible happened. And you'll see some key words of impossible. And then I want you to see things that were possible. So verse 6, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, the impossible, powerless, there's nothing that we could do to fix our situation with the God of the universe. Christ died for the ungodly, us, the ungodly. Christ made it possible through his death. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while it was impossible, while we are still sinners, you and I to this day, Christ made it possible because he died for you and for me. In his self-giving love, he died for you and for me. Since we have now been justified by his blood. So here's the beautiful part. We have been justified. And in eighth grade, I learned justification, meaning just as if I have never sinned. Justified, just as if I have never sinned. Because of his blood shed. How much more shall we be saved By God's wrath through him. For if, while we were God's enemies, here's an impossible thing, we were God's enemies, there's nothing that could happen to change that. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? It is because of Jesus. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we can now receive reconciliation. So now, instead of Genesis 3, where we have been um, this disunity because of our sin, through the blood of Jesus, we can now experience reconciliation. We can experience life with Jesus. So where the impossible became possible. Uh, So I just want to close um, with a story (laughs) um, of a Christmas gift that I received last year. Uh, a Christmas gift that was um, pretty awesome. So some of you know my father-in-law, uh, Dave, Dave Ness, and they uh, had bikes that they no longer were going to be using anymore. And so Dave Ness gifted to me his old bike, which then, if we look at this beautiful, pot, this beautiful thing, um, I was going to say a pile of metal, but it's, it still works, and I just want to be nice to it. If you look at this, 15 years, I mean, an old new bike a year ago, I'll take that, right? His old bike is now my new shiny, which matches, oh, and the, the helmet came with it too, which, man, look at this, it's shiny. Like, this is shiny. This is what my bike was, shiny. 
And so I get this gift, um, and so one thing I've realized with the Nesses is they take good care of their stuff. And with me, I can look at it, touch it, and I'll break it and ruin it. I don't know if you experienced that, dent it, I don't know, one way or another. Um, And so I just felt this incredible weight on my shoulders to keep this bike as nice as possible. And so uh, John Bennett offered to open up his house to have a youth gathering this past uh, summer in July to go take our bikes there and bike up to Trailside Treats in Belmont. And uh, I thought it was a great idea. And then afterwards, we'd have a bonfire and had s'mores and all this other fun stuff. And so a student didn't have their bike, so I packed my bike And I packed the other bike, the nice, new-ish, shiny red bike. And so I brought it up there, I unloaded it, and we did our thing. We came back, we had a Bible study, we had s'mores, and it was a good time. Um, And so, you know, it gets late, the mosquitoes start biting in July, so you want to start heading home, and you don't want to stay at their house too long. So in that process, I packed my Jeep full of all this stuff I already brought, and I packed on the bike, um, bikes, plural. And I thought, man, this would be sweet. So I'm telling John, I'm like wrapping it up. Uh, I even had a shirt that I wrapped up the like bar here because I wanted to keep it nice and shiny, right? Because I wanted to take care of it. And so I put it on the bike rack, which is right there. And then I start driving away from Belmont to Hudsonville. It's about 30-ish minutes, and you have to go down 131 to 196 and into Baldwin. And so I started doing that. Um, and I was pretty happy. I cranked the tunes. I got a 15-inch sub in the back of my Jeep, and, you know, you got to get that thing pumping, you know what I'm saying? And so what happens is I crank the tunes, and I just, I don't, I don't hear anything beyond just me driving and watching the road, because it's really loud and might have had some good time. Um, so I get down on Baldwin, and I look back at my rear view mirror, or look at my rear view mirror, and I look back, and I see the bike is missing from the bike rack, the new-ish shiny red bike. And I'm like, what is going on? And you know that thing that you're like, that pit of the stomach, you're like, uh-oh. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm going, I'm driving back because I'm like, I got to find this thing. Maybe it's just on the side of the road because, you know, it might have just fallen off. And, and so I'm, I'm calling, I'm, I just like, should I call John? I should call John. It's like 1030 at night. I call him. I said, hey, I don't know where this bike is. Can you help find it? He gets in his car. He starts driving. He drives away. It's about 20 minutes. Yeah, and so, yeah, once on 196, and he finds it. And, and he says, how many pieces do you want this thing in? And I was like, are you joking? Like, I thought he was just joking. I thought it was funny because I'm like, you're great. So I come and he tells me where he is. I find him. And lo and behold, lo and behold, something happened to the bike. And this nice, newish, shiny bike turned into this thing right here. Can you believe Right? I know. I, exactly. So this gift I got from my father-in-law a year ago, I try to keep it as nice as possible, and this is what happens to it. And like, oh my goodness. So we got this flashlight out, and over here, like, there is, there is a tire on this side of the highway, and I didn't know where the other one was. So all I could do is pick up this one, and then this one, I don't know, and then I found it the next day. Can you believe that? And so, I don't know, the bike, the bike just doesn't, ha- I mean, what it, like, look at this thing. Like, what do you do? There is nothing you can do to fix this bike. It is impossible to fix it. You can't even save any of the parts. So what do you do? So what I'm experiencing now is something that's so impossible. Like, I can't, I mean, I'm trying to keep it as nice as possible. And so I... That's how I feel about it right now, okay? So this is how I experience this. 
I I, I'm just trying to play it back in my mind. What did I do wrong? What did I forget when I was talking to John about how I got this nice, shiny red bike? What did I forget? What did I forget? And as I'm loading it onto my bike rack, I'm telling him how I'm trying to keep it nice. I've got to wrap this thing around it so the tube stays nice so it doesn't get scratched on my metal bike rack. And here I am, completely forgetting one thing. It's to lock up the lug nuts to the bike rack over here. And so it just did that as I hit a couple bumps. And so what happened for me, as I played it out, I remember getting on I-196. And I remember the flashes of the semi-truck, the flashes of lights of the semi-truck behind me. I remember, but the music was so loud, if he was honking his horn, I would have no idea. But I remember that he was warning me about this beautiful gift that I received from my father-in-law that is about to fall off. And so as I was talking to John, loading it up, I was distracted, didn't tighten up the lug nuts. I wasn't fully present with him because I was like, I got to get going. So I loaded it up, didn't care. But on the way, I get this warning that I had my music too loud. I was too distracted in the moment. Someone warning me that this gift that I have received, this beautiful newish, red, shiny bike, was shiny, was about to fall off, and probably the same truck that was warning me ran over it around the curve. (laughs) What happened at that moment is I felt this deep shame inside of me because I was trying to keep it nice and I couldn't. And so I thought, hmm, should I call my wife and tell her? She'll be disappointed. Should I call her or should I just pack it up and put it in the garage and find a a new bike that looks exactly like that one. But instead, I called her, even in my shame, even in my guilt, I called her up and I said, hey. She's like, cool. Talk to you later. <laughs> but this is, the, this is what's true for you and for me, I think, in this. I know that we have received this gift, the gift of self-giving love from Jesus Christ. This gift that maybe you have been a little bit too distracted in the moment and you forgot to put the lug nuts up, you forgot to secure this gift, you forgot, you've been distracted and people are warning you, flashing their lights saying, hey, Jesus is here for you and his love is for you and you're just like pushing that off aside. I don't need my life to be with Jesus. And in the warning, in the moments, you never saw the bike fall off. And so maybe today, this is your day, that in the warning lights, what seemed impossible, which is now not fixable, is impossible with God in your life. Through the Christ, because he loved you so much that he died for you and for me. And so I don't know for you if there's any warning lights that are flashing Anyone coming to you warning you about the potential destruction of your life without Jesus? I don't know if you've just been too distracted with the music too loud. I don't know if you've just run away from God altogether. I don't know if you've walked with him for a while and you're just like, I'm done now. I don't know where you're at with this self-giving love through the presence of Jesus as a baby here in humanity, becoming flesh, and then also through his bloodshed on the cross. 
where he made what was impossible possible. So the part that I see is I didn't have to buy this gift. This gift right here, all I had to do was receive it, right? It's already been paid for. It's the same as true for Jesus' blood shed on the cross for you. It's already been paid for. Through his blood, you've been justified, justified, reconciled, and saved because of Jesus. And the question is, are you accepting? Have you accepted? Are you following Jesus? And I think it's true for some of us today as you're saying, hey, I am following. I am in a relationship. I, I have accepted. I am with it. But I wonder how you're following him. How you are now, through the example of Jesus, humility coming into this earth out of love. How you are now showing other people that same love that you have received from your Father in heaven. And what's beautiful is this is so true for you as it is for me. And I just pray this morning that you would accept the love of Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open up your word. We thank you that you, Jesus, who was before all time, who created this world, everything was made through you, that you loved us so much in our brokenness. You sent Jesus to come into this world so that we can experience his presence and see his glory and see the grace and the truth that we can have through your son. Lord, may we see what was impossible on our own performance, on our own actions become possible through the action and the love and the grace and the mercy of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for all that you've given to us. May we give back to you. and May we love other people with the same love that you have loved us. In your name, amen.